We've just sung about the way maker. Has he ever been a way maker in your life? The question today that I want to keep before us is this. How big is your God? How great is your God? How great is he in your life? Is it settled in your heart? Is it settled in your mind? Is he the source of your strength? Is he your resolve? Is he the one that you go to first? Is he the one that you stand and believe in even though you don't find any evidence that he knows what you're going through? Do we exercise faith? And I love using that word exercise every time I use the word faith because faith is something that can grow and it's something that can diminish. I won't say if you don't use it, you lose it like other things in life, but it becomes greatly diminished. Do we exercise faith in God? Or, and we have to look soul search closely on this, or am I living by emotion? Because emotion is the soul. When we deal with God, we're dealing with body, soul, spirit, but primarily spirit. And being as human as we are, we find ourselves leaning to emotion. We have swings through the day. Some days swing pretty well all day long. Other days, we can't hardly get started. Other days are turbulent, back and forth. That's because we're created with a soul that feels Therefore, emotions are emoted, and we find ourselves thinking different in these situations because of the way we're created. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. If you'll stand with me as we read God's Word together. Isaiah 43, I want to read verses 16 through 19. As God is speaking to a generation and sharing comfort with them, about who he is and what he has been before their lifetime. Isaiah 43, verse 16, thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, and they lie down and they cannot rise they are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. It has spoke to so many before us. Let it speak to us in our now. 
In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How great is God? We use expressions that can just flow from our lips now without actually engaging our brain much because we're used to hearing somebody say, God is omnipotent. And right along with that, we immediately know the next couple statements, that he's omnipresent and he's omniscient. In other words, we know our God is in all places, all at the same time. We know that he knows everything. And we know that he is more than powerful. He's all powerful. We know these things, but are we exercising them? The next big question is, is he our sovereign? That is one of the most debatable words I've dealt with in ministry life over the past 40 years. We like that word, but then we want to discard it at times because that means we're not in charge. He is. And we're natured enough that we like to be in charge. We like to at least live in the illusion that we are in charge. <laughs> so, what we haven't read is verses 21 and 22. He said to the people that he just shared this word with, that they are a people whom I formed for myself and their purpose, that they might declare my praise. But that's not all of it. What we're getting ready to share will take our breath. Verse 22, yet, uh-oh, you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. Wow. God has just reminded a people what he has done for their ancestors, their parents. He's reminded them, I made a way through the Red Sea. I didn't just make a way. An entire nation walked that path, kicking up dust what moments earlier had been a complete deep ocean. A God that can do that, an amazing God, a powerful God that can do that. And yet, he said, you've become weary with me. How can we ever get weary of a God that's that amazing? He said, I've done that for you. I've protected you. I've kept you. I have supplied everything that you need. And yet, you have forgot why I created you to declare my praise, to keep telling people the story that he's a way maker. That when things look completely impossible, God can make a way. When we in the natural are looking for things we've known in the past, he makes a new way. I'm doing a new thing. Well, I'm just going by experience. And this is the way God, we've all been there. I know what God's getting ready to do because we're depending upon history. We're depending upon past experience. And when those ways won't open up, uh-oh, we got a problem. How's God going to do it this time? Instead of just coming back to the position, I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. He said, no one had ever done what I had done then. And then he says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Of course, this is really prophetic about Jesus Christ. 
He's the new thing, and we still have the new thing. They didn't know who Messiah was going to be. Just the prophecies, just the promise. They were depending on a man, Moses. God raised up Moses as a leader, but I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to send my only begotten son to the world to be the way maker. This incredible prophecy said, I'm going to do a new thing where I opened up a water, a body of water. This time, I'm going to take care of you in a desert. This time, uh, the time before, uh, it was nothing but water, and I turned it into a dry path for you to travel on. This time, you're going to go through a dry path, and I'm going to give you water. Wow. How great is God? How big is God? How powerful? That which just seems impossible has happened to this people after he'd done so much for them. The psalmist uh, declares of his goodness and greatness. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, and just kind of stay there. 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And marked off the heavens with a span. And enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure. And weighed the mountains in scales. Wow, I love this language. And the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And then verse 15, behold, the nations, it doesn't say that they are but a drop in the bucket. It says they are but a drop out of a bucket. Oh, because you see, you can still measure a drop in a bucket. But when you take a bucket and just let that last drop come out upon the entire planet, wow. And that's what nations are compared to the greatness of God. How big is our God? How great is our God? Can he handle your marriage situation? Can he handle your business decisions? Can he handle the rain that's come in your life when you want it to be sunny? Can he handle the drought that comes when you're desperate for hydration? Is he able to move in a way when you said, I've given a timeline, it's got to be by a certain time on a certain day, and we've so passed up that calendar and that clock, and God hasn't shown up. Is he still God? Is he still a way maker? Can he still make a way in a desert? I love that passage there. I was sharing with Dr. Jeff. I love learning. I love learning. And there's a science that I've never heard of. Astostasy. Yeah, that's right. Astostasy. And you know what astostasy, the science is? It's the measuring of the earth's crust. It is the equilibrium of the earth. That's exactly what's being described here. Who, who created the mountains with his own hands? 
Here we are today still spinning as an orb in this one universe of multiple universes. 23 and a half degree axis. Just spinning, 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 spinning. How long has it been spinning? Well, if you believe the biblical record, it's been about 6,000 years. If you want to believe uh, other periodicals, they may say we're billions of years old. But this know that the creator of the earth is the one that created it with balance. Wow. This ought to speak to you. This ought to speak to you. Because he knows how to bring balance into our lives. And when there is tornadic activity, when there are earthquakes, when there are volcanic eruption, you know what all that is? That is exactly this teaching here. That he's keeping the equilibrium by releasing pressure here and adding pressure there. Oh, come on, somebody. Wow. I just thought the thing was falling apart. No, if he didn't keep it balanced, it would start to wobble and it would disintegrate. I'm serving a great God, William. Then even when we don't give him credit, he said, just watch this. As long as the earth remains, I'll give seed time and harvest. Oh, but the doomsdayers say this, but I'm going to give seed time and harvest. Yeah, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be seed time and harvest. Why? Because he created it that way. As we study the earth's crust, as we study the pressure, it's amazing how this goes, oh, we're, we're just done for. At this, oh, this fault over here, these tectonic plates, uh, 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 these synonymies, surely it's going to get out of balance. No, he just keeps it <laughs> in perfect balance. Come on, somebody, give him praise. Yeah. Verses 21 and 22. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Wow, man just keeps wanting to take credit. And God just said, yeah, I'm watching everything about you. I know every, every number of, the number of hairs upon your head. But you know, from where I'm sitting, you look like grasshoppers. Oh, we're just going to tell God what to do. Yeah, how's that working for you? He doesn't run skirt. This creator, Isaiah said, his ways are unsearchable. You see, there comes a time in prayer where you get to that place, God, that which I've known, that which you've delivered me through and from, that which you've kept me in, I look back at those and I give you praise and I give you glory and I give you honor. What I'm facing now is a total different set of circumstances. I don't know how you're going to do it, but this one thing I know, that you are the creator of the universe and your ways are unsearchable and you've got ways we haven't even figured out yet. I'm just just going to depend upon you and your greatness and your mercy and your love. And I know you're just going to keep on, keeping on, keeping on. My trust is in you. Look, verse 25. 
To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, (laughs) says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. In other words, we're talking about the starry host. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Wow. This creator building billions of galaxies, trillions of galaxies, filled with gases, stars, planetary systems, all these things. He's created all of them and knows every name of every star. I don't know about you, but I am impressed. When I was younger, I could walk into any house of worship, and in a period of time serving them, I knew everybody by name. I'd be doing good if I knew 10% of your names today. So don't quiz me after church. I'm just going to say, hey, hon, come over here. I get kids on my bus, they wear masks, and I'm like, I don't really know. Wow, you're back on the bus. It's good to see you. I have no idea what your name is, but it's good to have you. And he names the stars and knows every one of them. And he's going through them, counting, measuring them, and saying, I have a great record. I've never lost a star yet. And if he can keep all that in balance and keep this planet in balance, I believe he can take care of me, Hope. (laughs) Oh, I love this passage. Let me share with you something that as I was in my office studying and it just came back in memory, I just took it as the Holy Spirit whispering to me of the great Azusa Street Revival, which happened, of course, on the West Coast, L.A., turn of the century, 20th century, 1906. On about about 1910, the thing started winding down. There was prophecies given from Pastor William Seymour that uh, takes your breath. And he said that, that he predicted that after about a hundred years, there would be an apostasy of the Pentecostal movement. There would be this swell, but then it would apostatize itself. And that many who once believed would no longer believe. Three-pronged prophecy said, and listen, every time you'll see an operative word, the first is there would be an overemphasis on power instead of righteousness. That there would be an overemphasis on praise to a God they no longer pray to. And there would be an overemphasis on the gifts of the Spirit instead of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Wow. I believe we made it, folks. I believe we're here. What I want to share with you is I, I, I was talking to Dr. Jeff as well about this. I, there's certain things I've studied, certain things I've watched, and then you just start seeing a trend. 
And the way this is worded really brings it to light is an overemphasis of things. And the important thing to realize is the deception that comes along with that. Because if you're not changing the elements, only the measure thereof, it's hard to detect what's going on. If you were ushering in new measurements, if you were ushering in new ingredients, if you were ushering in different people, then you could say, well, we know when this trend started, we can see this, but when it's all the same components, and yet now we just overemphasize this, and we get it out of balance. This is why the Bible says in the latter times, many shall wax cold. They will grow indifferent. The love of many will grow cold, depending on your version. It's describing this. What we've got to understand is the word love is still operational in all those passages. But we move from an agape love, a, a passionate love for God, and we drop it down a notch or two. God, I, uh, I, I love you, however... Uh, we can reduce it all the way down to the crazy side of love, the, the mania love, the Luna love. And just, I'm crazy about God. He's just cool, man. But we never think of him, really. We just make expression. But even if we diminish God from his rightful place as sovereign to a love that we have for anything else, we've already missed the mark. He said, have no other gods before me. He has to be first. He has to be sovereign. He has to be the source of our expression of love. Through that love, we get the rest of it right. The balance is there when our love for him remains intact. God, I'm coming to you first. Help me love my wife. Help me love my husband. Help me love my children. Oh, my God, help me love my children. Help me love my neighbor. Help me love the unlovable. And the only way I can do that is when the vertical is right. Come on, somebody. You see this balance, this orthostasy of the Spirit, the measuring of balance. There's been two words. I just, it's always been there in me, and it took me a lot of years to study myself. I'm quite a study, by the way. There's two things that I look for. I'm always looking for process, and I'm always looking for balance. Balance. Balance in a marriage. Balance in a church. Balance in life. When you lose that balance, things get rocky. And understand the processes. Instead, i got to have it now. Again, back to this prophecy, this overemphasis of praise. To a God we don't really know by name anymore. Because we lost the prayer closet. We know what it is to come in a sanctuary and having the music and getting that part of it right. But does it go home with us? Does it go to work with us? And the overemphasis of power over who he is, the lordship of Jesus Christ and righteousness. He'll lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His name's on the line. 
So he said, I'm going to do a new thing. Yeah, you'll love this. That word in the Hebrew is shana. And in that, it describes something that you've got to pay close attention to. It talks about duplicate. The word year means duplicate. It means repeat. And we kind of get that real quick. There are seasons. How many years have you been on this planet and you've noticed that there are seasons? We still have summer. We still have autumn. We still have winter and we're going to have a spring. Seed time and harvest, right? The word year means a repeat. That means that there can be variation, but it's going to repeat. And we know that summer is going to follow spring. That's just the way it's going to be. It's a repeat. And so it is with our lives, the seasons of life. And we go through cycles. And yet there's a double meaning. It not only means repeat, but it also means change. Well, how can that be? Well, on this day last year, guess what? You were a year younger. <laughs> I'm 63 now, but I wasn't 63 last year at this time. I'd be 62 back then. And you know what? If I stay around a while, this time next year, you know how old I'm going to be? I'm going to be 64. That's the simple math. To understand the repeats that he has put in the world. So we understand that the nature of nature is to repeat. How many of you know that our nature is to repeat? How many of you are sitting on the same pew you sit on every week when you get in here? If you're like my wife, we can go through a drive through how many times has this woman been through that particular restaurant's drive-thru? And yet, she's going to read that menu. If you go dining in that restaurant, she's going to read that menu. Isn't she, daughter-in-law? You figured her out, didn't you? And we're going to take time. The waitress, the waiter is just waiting on us. I already know what she's going to order. They have no idea. She's going to get, Melinda's cracking up back there too. She's watched my wife. And you can just take all this extra time and finally, okay. And she orders the same thing every time. <laughs> the nature of Sheila is to repeat. She's not alone. We park in the same parking places. We buy the same brand of clothes. Just on and on. But then we realize that there is variation in these things. Why is this coming into play? We understand that God is sovereign. And he has created us. He's created all things and created for his good pleasure. But now we come into this understanding when he says, I'm going to do a new thing. He's taking that which is familiar, but giving it a change. In other words, it's exactly the same, only different. Some of you just missed that. 
The same ingredients put in different positions. So this variation that goes on, and we see the spinning. The next word is days that make up those years. It is the word manna that need, we, from the Hebrew. When he says, the psalmist says in Psalms 90 and 12, that we are to number our days. We are to manna our days. In other words, we are to, the given here is count them. We know it's X amount of days to voting. We know it's X amount of days to Christmas. It's X amount of days to my birthday. And we remind everybody that needs to know how far they are away from buying a gift for you on your birthday. But then it also has a double meaning. And it also means to appoint your days. We don't just count those days, we appoint those days. How many of you have gone through Dave Ramsey's study on finances, right? What's his number one statement? You've got to appoint those dollars. You've got to tell every dollar where it's going to go. You are manna in those days, those dollars. You are telling it where to go. Is this good, Brother Allen? I'm preaching good now, aren't I? He's rocking it now. So here we are. In this whole big picture now, the God of the universe, how great is he? And he's created us with purpose. He's created us to be a people that declares his praise. But the question is, are we weary of him? Or do we just give expression from time to time how great he is? But are we living it? Are we exercising it? Are we pursuing righteousness first and foremost? Are we living in the pages of the book? Are we honoring its commands? Are we looking to him as our sovereign? And as we go through the year, and yes, there are the same opportunities that come, and yet there's variation at times. And now the days. And we are not only to number them, but we are to appoint them. And here all this has been said to come back to a word that is so familiar with us. But have we grown weary with it? Do we pray? Or do we find ourselves just giving it lip service? I'll pray about that and never pray about it. To give praise to a God that we no longer pray to. Wow. And again, this should not be a message of just judgment. It is caution. It's the Hebrew writer says, how shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation? But it's the nature of us to neglect, to forget, to grow cold, to get weary. The only way to keep that from happening is to appoint our days. This is the day that the Lord has made. And here's what I'm going to do with it. I am going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to appoint this day. 
This is a Sunday to us. He has created this day. I am going to worship today. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to honor him. This is the day he's made, and I'm going to rejoice in it. But you know what? Tomorrow on Monday, I'm going to tell and appoint my day, my Monday. This is also the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice in it and be glad. And when Friday, not Friday, Friday comes along, I am also going to rejoice in the Lord and be glad and give him his due praise appointing my days. Here's where it comes down to. Are we letting our days determine our life? Or are we letting our life determine our days? Would you stand with me?